Hi everybody. Um, really great to be back with you all. Uh, really great to get a chance to speak again. Uh, we're continuing our series, Heaven is a Place on Earth. And we're continuing to look at the parables, the stories that Jesus told, and to think about how they might, how God's rule and reign, how the fact that there is a God uh, with an eternal plan might affect our lives here and now. I think one of the hardest elements uh, for society of lockdown life, and there's been lots of hard elements of lockdown life, hasn't there? But I think one of the hardest things, and we've seen it come to the fore a little bit at the moment, is keeping both the law, living inside the rules that are put forward for us, and keeping our goodwill for the system. That's been a really hard thing for the government to get society to do or society to accomplish, keeping both the law and having goodwill uh, for each other and for the system to not become cynics. Um, we go from being, and I say we, definitely this is me, and I think it's lots of us too, we go from being litigious law keepers, you know, grieved by other people who forget the rules, to, and I've definitely had this moment of the forgetting the mask, to forgetting it ourselves and being grieved, you know, really grieved at the other people for keeping the law too litigiously. We go from having really good will and tolerance. You know, I've seen the nation have great will and great resolve at some at some times. We we can go in we can go personally from having that to being completely exasperated as our region gets treat slightly differently to another region. And it seems like we're a bit marginalised or our own personal circumstances changed. It's like our grace for the system can evaporate. And this has a real, as if there isn't enough going on for us to cope with at the moment, with the lockdown and the COVID pandemic. This is at a, this balancing act that the government's trying to pull off, I guess, and that society is trying to adhere to as best it can, has had a real gr grieving, bruising impact on our lives. It's really hard to keep being gracious. You feel like, a few people have said to me, you feel like a mug. I've seen sort of comments on social media where you're left feeling like a mug. And equally, if you get too immersed in the rules, it's hard not to end up becoming a hater. And this can have a real sort of souring effect. And I think it's having a bit of a souring effect on society. It's depressing us a little bit. We, we see the frustrations of it. There's probably an exaggerated version of this going on over in the US with sort of different undertones to what we've got right now. But we can see kind of what happens when goodwill runs out and when laws can't be kept. It's just... It's chaos, isn't it? We've seen that in the last couple of weeks. And you see um, the new president, Biden, um, come before the nation and ask for unity. He says the, the only way forward is unity. And you, you look at it and you think, well, how? How is that going to happen? How will there be unity there? An interesting phrase um, that, that I think I should have... I should have known, and I kind of heard before, but not sort of spent any time thinking about what it might mean, is policing with consent. I guess you're familiar with that term, the idea of policing with consent. I don't think I'd ever really stopped to think about it before COVID, but it's this idea 
and it's um if you go i did a bit of googling robert peel sort of um ironed out what is as he revolutionized um policing and created the met back 100 years ago or however far back it was it, it's i always thought that that we kept the rules because we were scared of getting thrown in jail or maybe we just kept them but the the real reason that that we managed to stay law-abiding citizens is because we are we consent that is to say that we recognize all of us together the value of laws and rules and systems and the value of people keeping them well we recognize this and we buy into it that's the big thing that i the kind of that raised my eyebrows as i looked into what policing with consent was and as i've heard a few people say oh well we can't police this without the consent of the public i think yes this this balancing act this law and goodwill needs some buy-in from the people this problem is not unlike people's struggle with with the bible it's not unlike people struggle with the Bible. There's a bit of that going on as well. When we look at the Old Testament, we look at it and we go, God seems really harsh. And there's just millions of laws. And if you spend long enough looking at it, you see hip hypocrites trying to live it out sometimes in God's people. And you become a bit of a cynic if you look at it for so long. And you look at the New Testament and you see this message of forgiveness and grace. And if you read that too long, you might think, well, I might become a mug if I live this out, I'm either going to be a cynic or a hypocrite or a, a mug. And Jesus, in the passage that we're looking at at the moment, chapter 13, Jesus into, into people who are having these similar sort of issues. As Jesus is teaching, they're, they're trying to work it out. These Pharisees, Sadducees, the crowd, everybody are trying to work out this mix of how do we deal with the fact that there are laws and how do we, how on earth do we hear this guy Jesus who's talking about forgiveness and love how does that all come together so we see it there in chapter 13 and verse 10 and jesus jesus tells parables to these people so you've got um, paul i think two weeks ago sort of set the scene for us when he said he'd, he'd been to this part of the world and he'd he'd been in galilee and he'd looked out and there are these areas where you can project your voice and the crowds can listen and jesus starts telling these parables of the kingdom to huge crowds and you ask yourself I guess why does Jesus tell parables so we get to this 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 point in verse 10 the sort of the start of the text the disciples are asking why why are you telling parables to us why why are you gonna why are you doing this and Jesus says to the people to the people and this is this is thrown us a little bit, I think. It, it throws me as as you come to it and you read it, and it's there in verse eleven. He replies, Because the, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. There's this idea. As we sort of as we sort of look at it, we go, Is Jesus saying this? Is he trying to be obtuse when he gives a parable? Is he trying to confuse the people? Is that what he's trying to do? It does read a little bit like that, doesn't it? But that's not what Jesus is trying to do as he speaks these parables of the kingdom. I don't think. He's not trying to be obtuse. He is saying that some people 
will be confused by this. What Jesus wants them to do, and I think this is worth thinking about when we think about what parables are, is he wants them to wrestle with the issue and get to the point. So I think a parable is not only a story that tries to reveal a truth, which it is, but I think it's also a story that reveals a truth that's trying to engage a response from people. That's what it is. It's trying to elicit a response from the listener. So for parables, for us to sort of preach them and teach them right, there's a sense in which we've got to take you back to the moment. It's a bit like a joke. When you hear a joke for the first time, I don't know if you've ever had to explain back a joke a couple of times. I had that experience this week. I heard a joke and I had to sort of relay it and explain it to somebody. And you lose... It just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? The more that you try and relay the joke. So I'll tell you the joke. The joke was, there's a man in the airport, baggage in area. He bumps his head and he falls on the carousel and the police say he's coming round slowly. And uh, the person who I told this joke to didn't get it. And I had to go over it over and over again. And it just gets worse and worse the more you try and explain it. For for a parable, there's a sense in which you need to have that moment of the joke. Because part of the humour of the joke is, 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 is the person knows the whole context. They're there with you in the moment and it almost trips them up. And a parable, a parable as Jesus told them, told them does that to people as they hear these stories they are stories that you've got to engage with they're not just stories that reveal truth they are stories that reveal truth but they are stories that that elicit a response from the people story of the good samaritan you can't hear that story of the good samaritan without putting yourself on one side without seeing yourself in that story and thinking yes i need to do something about myself here or yes i'm a bit like this or going no i reject that altogether and these parables of the kingdom, because the kingdom's so important, Jesus tells stories that elicit a response, that get us to go, yeah, I think this is right, or I don't think it's right. And Jesus is telling parables. And he tells parables to the crowds as they watch um, in the sort of amphitheater area. And then the crowds um, are there and they get a bit much and he goes inside a house. You can see that the start of... Um, is it the end of the chapter? I'm sure the reading will be on there. There you go. Jesus goes into the house and he says, he, he continues these parables and he tells them um, shorter parables um, to the disciples. And he asks them in that text. Can you see it there? Um, verse, just a second. Yeah, verse 51. He says, have you understood all these things? And his, the disciples are all like I was at school when you just automatically go, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've, we've got, we, we get it. This kingdom, we completely understand it. So Jesus does what he's been doing with the parables right the way through. He tells them a parable so that they are forced to dig around and respond to the truth. They are brought to a point where they've got to do something about this kingdom. Even though they say, yeah, we've got it. Jesus says, okay. And he tells them this parable, which sort of opens up another layer, I think, of what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom, to understand God's kingdom, to live inside of that kingdom. So here's what it says. It's really short. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven 
is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. This is, this is so Jesus hits them with this, these people that have got it, that have said, yes, we get what the kingdom is. He, he takes them to a place where they're forced to consider it, wrestle with it, and elicit a response to Jesus. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. He, he uses this word scribe in some of the other translations. It's interpreted teacher in the NIV that we've got here. He says to them, if you are teachers, if you really, if you really have got all of this, if you are really teachers of the law, and the word scribes um, gets us to think about people like uh, Ezra and Nehemiah who stood before God's people, picked up the word and read it and it was explained to people the meaning. He said, Jesus says, if you really are that of this kingdom that I'm talking about, you won't only bring out the old stuff. You won't only bring out the old treasures of the old covenant, of the Old Testament. You won't just bring those stuff out. And you won't just bring out new stuff. You will bring out new things as well, but you won't only bring out new things. You will bring out both together at the same time. If you are really scribes, if you are really teachers of the kingdom, if you are really people that... And what's a teacher? A teacher is somebody... Um, to really get something, you've got to teach it, haven't you? And a teacher is somebody who's really got under, underneath of this idea of the kingdom. If you are really that, you will be able to go back inside your house and bring out to the rest of your life both of these things. This God of the Old Testament who is, you know, God and holy and this message of grace. Um, that's what you'll bring out. It'll be things like righteousness by faith and not by works, grace and mercy to sinners. Jesus says to his disciples, people who are picking up this message, as some of us are, you will be able to do both of these things. You will be able to live lives that know God, this God of the Old Testament that, that gets angry, uh, that judges people, that demands obedience. You will be able to know all this on the one hand, and at the same time, you'll be able to balance that with the fact that you know that God is love. You will... You will know that this, his teaching, the Bible, his word, is loaded with with laws. There is these, there are these instructions for a pattern of life that is the best, the best for everyone. You hold on to that. You think these are the rules. There's wisdom here, and you'll be able to read that, and you will you'll be able to read that and not become a hater. That's what he says. You, you'll be able to do both of those things. You, you can remain loaded with grace. You'll be aware equally on the flip side. You'll be aware of God's grace and forgiveness. You'll be aware that, that this action of the cross can forgive anything. And yet you'll be aware of that. And then you'll not be one of these people who just thinks, well, I'll just, I'll just do whatever I want then. You can be aware of that grace. And at the same time, you can, you can want to hold on to the law. And you'll be able to stay gracious and forgiving, even though everybody else is breaking the law all around you. This is what this is what somebody who is a teacher of God's kingdom. This is what somebody will look like if 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 they've got the message. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. It's kind of a picture of an awesome person, I think, a person that could could thrive in any environment of life. 
just have this cool contentment that God's got everything, this cool trust for him. But here's the reality, I think, for us. Even though, so as I say this to you and you sort of listen to it, even though maybe part of you goes, yeah, I see the message of Christianity and I kind of know that I could. I maybe even know that I should. I maybe even realise that the world probably would be better if a few of us headed in that direction. We just, we can't manage it. It's a big ask. How do we get there? Um, the place to go and let me run this past you and sort of just size it up and, and see what you think and certainly if you're if, you, if you're new to faith or you're, or you're looking in and trying to work it out you know this is the argument of how uh, this is the argument for why God's way is a good way a way that, that's worth thinking about and um, honest messed up theologian the Apostle Paul he writes a letter called Romans to people who are really sort of stuck because Jesus teaching has come along that's loaded with grace and he writes a letter to these people who are really stuck in this mess and trying to work out the balance of, of grace and law and he explains it like this it's Romans 5 20 to 21 the law was brought in so that the trespass so you've got to kind of hang on every word you read you to sort of get the most out of Romans, you really got to read the whole thing. And it's like a theological essay. It's a, it's a great essay. So I've picked bits out of it. So you've got to try and hang on to every word. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. The law, though it's perfect, and Jesus affirms that as he teaches his way through, it can only ever, ultimately, it can only ever ultimately show us our inadequacies. That's what the law does. You read through the Old Testament and you come out at the back of it and you see just how big the gap is between God and man. You see that man's wrongdoing, man's sin, is huge. And then in the storyline, Jesus comes into the scene and on his cross, he demonstrates, and this is almost like there is a mathematical equation in the Bible. I'm not very good at maths. It's been exploited in my homeschooling efforts with my kids but i get this equation jesus cross in this part of the story demonstrates that however much sin there is and this is a great thing to hang on no matter how much sin there is what we see on the cross as jesus comes and offers himself there is that no matter how much sin there is grace will always be a bit bigger you can use that little greater than um, symbol to figure it out no matter how much sin there is there there will always be more grace and here's the thing about grace and these are very much my thoughts i've not read these anywhere but so far as i see it grace you can you could maybe go to the best theological university and read on it for years and years and years and you'd learn more about grace if somebody who you'd really wronged forgive you you i think 
you can really only get grace when you receive it. You can really only realize exactly what it means when you when you receive it in. And when you receive it in, I think that, that this is what this passage is saying. When you receive it in, it's like a key way to righteousness. And and these efforts that you're making to live a good life will more fall into place than if you try and follow the rules. Paul puts it another way. Romans 6, um, verse 15 to 18, he says, What then? What then shall we sin? Um, because we are not under the law, but under grace. He uses um, rhetoric throughout throughout Romans. He constantly throw in like newspaper headlines at people to get them to read on. Shall we carry on sinning because we're not under law anymore because God's grace is so big? He says, no, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone, and he uses the example of slavery, which sort of everybody could understand, certainly at these times, when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God. Though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart. You've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free. And have become slaves to righteousness. God demonstrated on the cross. Changes our hearts towards the law. Remember when I talked at the start about this idea of policing with consent. And that it needed us to buy in. If it's going to work it needs us to buy into it. As the bigger picture of it. That the laws are good that the people keeping the laws are good. We need to buy in that it's a good idea. And Paul says in this passage, because of the cross, we more than buy in. We kind of, it doesn't, we don't just consent to it. We don't just, we don't just see the logic of it and put ourselves under it. He says, you'll fall in love with the law. He says in this moment, you'll be able to do both. You'll be able to have grace and law without being legalistic and God through the cross shapes us so that in a a mixed up graceless imperfect law making and law breaking world it's possible for people not to become haters even though they love the law because because as Christians, I guess, we know that the law has exposed us too, if we've really got it. Because we know that we're only saved by faith. And we don't run out of grace because our grace is not dependent on the actions of others. It's a gift that we've received and that gift came like a flood in the cross. Let's wrap up. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Why should you read the parables and I would encourage you to spend time digging around at these stories there's two reasons I think we should read them and there's two reasons I'll give you a start as for why I think Jesus told them the first one is I think that I reckon I need it and I think that we need a like a matrix moment do you know that moment in the matrix I hope that's a 
a reference that everybody can sort of understand. You've seen the film The, the Matrix where Keanu breaks out of the shell thing and looks around and realises the way that the world is. I think we all need a Matrix moment, something that breaks into our lives and causes us to respond to this great God. To think about the possibility that there's more and to think about what it means for us to, to live in this kingdom. And the parables take us to that place. And the second reason is, I think, because this world that we live in, and I, you know, I challenge you to look around and tell me I've got this wrong. This world that we live in needs to figure out how to do rules that we all need with grace and love. And I would say the only way that we can do that is to follow perfect rules by the King of Grace. And the key way to those things you'll find in the Kingdom of Heaven. And the key way to the kingdom of heaven are these stories that Jesus told. Please keep reading them with us. Thank you for staying with us. Good to be back with you. Ash, nice to have you back. How are you doing? Was I muted? It's nice to be back. As you can tell, I'm back <laughs> muting myself. Um, yeah, it's really nice, nice to be back. Nice to have you back, other. muting yourself, doing your usual stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it is it's really good to be back and I'm doing okay. Thank you. Thank you. As you know. Paul, Paul nice to see you too. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Good to see you back, Ash. Great. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry if my screen is a little bit glitchy. Um, hopefully that will sort itself out and you can hear me all right. Any problems, uh, just uh, message in and we'll, we'll, we'll try and sort that. Um, Interesting series, guys. Seems definitely one that we're really having to think about, isn't it? Uh, not something that we can just uh, sit back and, and let it wash over us. Mm -hmm. Heaven is a place on earth is is really uh, something that gets your brain going. Uh, I, I have a challenge for you both. Okay. Okay. No, no whiteboards necessary. We'll be nicer to you than that, okay? But I want you to see if you can do it in just one sentence. Not that I'm saying that you speak for too long or anything like that. But <laughs> just one sentence. Can I have your definition of a parable? Ash, I think I was li listening in your sermon. You did try in your sermon, but I think you were just a little bit longer than one sermon. One sentence. One sentence. Um, yeah, so you want me to go first? A parable is, I've written it down because I'll stop talking, I'm already, um, a story, a parable is a story that reveals truth and uh, evokes a response. Okay, a story that evokes, reveals truth and uh, evokes a That's response. That's my stab at it. Did you, get, did you get the heads up that that question was getting asked? <laughs> Never. That, did you not? That's way better than mine. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what I was taught when I was younger, and it's it's a bit, little bit glib. Um, parable, as told by G Jesus, as distinct from other parables, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Oh. Yeah. A, l a little yeah. bit sweet, but I see where you go. <laughs> I yeah, well, I, I think that's so. It was it, it's only in reading around it that I've added the extra dimension. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to stand uh, corrected. I think it is. They are stories that um, point to truth. Normally, one truth. I think isn't that that seems to be the general idea. I mean, we mm -hmm. can argue a little bit about that. But then the um, 
the idea that these are a device for Jesus to engage people beyond just hearing the story and force them to go, I don't agree with that, or I do agree with that, or at least go away and wrestle with it. That would be my opinion. They, they're crafted in such a way that you've got to, that they catch you out. I tried to use the illustration of a joke. There might be a better illustration in there, but the idea that you've got to, you've got, to, you can't help but respond to it. It opens you. It opens you up. Even the, I think more so in some parables than others. But the, even the ones about the kingdom, I think, in you mean you've got to go right. Do it. If I agree with this, then I got to change, or I don't agree yeah. with it. Which I think is how we understand the, the confusion. I think. Although yeah. some people don't respond, which was part of our passage today, wasn't it? That hmm. is that is that in itself a response? Do you think? I think one of the things that. That, that certainly that back end of the of the narrative where Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he talks about um, people not understanding the parables. I think what you brought across, Ash, brilliantly is we've got to have we've got to be given a certain framework of thinking for us to engage in the story in the right way. Mm. So the disciples by grace had received a framework in which they engage with the story. So Jesus can tell a parable and people can, one of the things about narrative and story is it, it gets our hearts thinking, not just our minds. Mm. We engage in it, we get part of it, but, but they don't get it because they're not, they're not viewing the story within this particular framework of thinking, which yeah. Jesus has opened up to the disciples. Yeah. Uh, that the right response of people who are listening to Jesus would be, I don't get that, help me to understand it. And I think that's what Jesus's point is. If you ask, you would be given. I, I, I would open up to you the ability, but which means that we then sit under Jesus in terms of his authority for us to understand, not, not alongside him in judging his words. Oh, that that's quite a difference, isn't it? In terms of how we we like to see ourselves, we like to see ourselves as educated people who can mm -hmm. come up, make up their own minds, and and, mm -hmm. and in a sense, Jesus is encouraging us to do that. Mm -hmm. But to sit under somebody's authority is quite—it's not something our culture is very content with at all, is it? Absolutely, we don't like to do it, but but the reality is that we all sit under some authority um was it was it bob dylan who sang you've got to serve somebody mm -hmm. we we all serve in some way we like to think that we're autonomous we like to think that we're in, in the the authors of our lives but we're not we're we're the authors of popular culture we're the authors of uh, fake news. late yeah fake news yeah <laughs> some people are the authors of fake news uh, in more ways than one um we're we're all we're all shaped and under the power and way of thinking of something. Mm -hmm. And actually Jesus is saying like freedom will come when you, when I give you the grace and to, to come into a frame of thinking, which allows you to engage in these three little stories in a completely different way. I guess if you reject this, if you reject the premise at the start, you don't, you don't give your heart over to the story. I guess that's what happens. And if if yeah. if you go, if you're open to it, even to a sm even if the door's just a little bit open, 
I think you go, you follow the story down the line. You let, you allow it to, like the story yeah. of the Good Samaritan, you allow it to convict you. Yeah. You know, so I think, yeah, that's that's what happens with the story as well, isn't it? You can, yeah. you force, uh, and you force we, down that road. Absolutely. And Jesus has joined three stories together here. And I don't think, don't necessarily think we really drew this out. I didn't draw this out in the early part. There's a story of, a, of, um, of somebody finding treasure in a field. There's a story of somebody who's searching for a pearl. Then there's the story which we covered. We, we read it today, the story of the net being cast into the sea. Mm -hmm. And why, why does Jesus tell those three little stories? In, the first two look virtually the same. But it seems to me that the very first similar thing, anyway. But yeah, well, the first one to me, the guy who's digging in the field isn't looking for treasure. He's sowing crops and then he finds treasure. The second one is searching out for treasure. And it seems to me that the third one with the fish, they are reluctant in being drawn in. You know, fish don't decide to jump to jump into a net, <laughs> but we're actually drawn in. Um and 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 that's how the kingdom of heaven comes on on us. It, it comes on each of us in different ways. Some people know that they're searching for something. Other people just suddenly find it, uh, and it and it's just opened up to them. But ultimately, all of us are drawn into this final judgment, which is what you've you've been focusing on today. That the need for us to be. Uh, caught to account, uh, we're drawn in, and we are reluctant in some ways, but we are drawn in. It's interesting because all of us will have our our own faith story, um, of of at different points, even in our own lives, times when we were searching, and mm. God uh, spoke to us, times when we just we were we, would we kind of had enough. <laughs> Do you know, or we, or we weren't looking and we were just distracted by other things of, of life. And mm. then um, times by, just by God's grace, we happened to be yeah. in a place yeah. where we, we heard a story and, or, you know, God speak yeah. to us um, yeah. and run into it. I think that's, I see that truth of, of those kind of three parables, the way you've set that out, not just in people who are seeking for the first time but actually as we continue to follow jesus there's some truth yeah. in that isn't there yeah, as god speaks to us and yeah and things like that yeah yeah, that, yeah. that's we're interesting to put them together we're reluctant fish even when we know that we are drawn into the net aren't we um and i think that what you brought out ash in terms of um the, the old covenant the old the old law compared to the glory of grace in the new somebody somebody does well when they bring both of those out yeah yeah i think that's the that's the power of the parable isn't it yeah. jesus says you, if you're really a scribe if you really get it you, you yeah. you're able to and i think yeah. it is you are doing well and i think I, lo I love that jesus when they go yeah we've got it jesus goes let me just tell you let me just put it like this and let's see Let's see how you do with that, because I think he's do, saying. Do you think? Do you think he he said that maybe because they were just leaning straight into the nice bit, the the grace bit, the treasure bit? Yeah, well, yeah, and I, <laughs> I, well, I love because at first I read it, I, I focused, I thought this is about the new, 
and I think it is about the new. And I read it through the lens of the new, and I nearly went down that road. And I thought, hang on, it doesn't dismiss. He says this guy is going to bring both of these things, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And then I thought, well, how do you? That's a trick to pull to yeah. pull that off. Is you know that's not immediately obvious how you yeah. do that. It's really diff- It can be really difficult. If you, if you read the New Testament first, then you look back to the Old Testament. You go, what? Yeah. What's that story yeah. about? And you know some of the implications of who God is, some of the places it takes you to are quite difficult. Yeah. And I think um, part of this parable is saying, yep, yeah, that's who. That's me. Is there's tough yeah. things to accept about who I am there, mm-hmm. but this is me too. I'm soaked with grace, more grace. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it is ba- it is possible and brilliant and beautiful to to have these two together. Mm. Yeah. That, that was something I was I was going to ask you guys. I, I know I've spoken to people in the past who've really struggled with that idea that of accepting both the old and the new, and would quite like and in some ways feel that they like Jesus and that story, but they would really like to pick and choose the bits. And they would like to pick the bits of the law that they find acceptable to them and even pick bits of grace. <laughs> Do you know, like, I'm happy to have grace in those circumstances, but not in that circumstances. You know, I really, I can't be gracious in that, that circumstance. And I'm just wondering, do you have any advice for somebody who's hearing this message today and just really struggling for that kind of all-in-ness that Jesus asks for and, you know, wanting to, to, to pick and choose a little bit more, maybe because of painful circumstances in life or, you know, kind of bad experiences or have you got any advice for them? The Old Testament's always just, the Old Testament is always pointing to, towards the heart. I think I've, I get this more, the more that I read uh, the the prophets, the more the prophets cry, get fed up with people just bringing works. God, just declare that God's there's an emptiness to that after a while, and God demands. He says, you know, I don't, want, I don't want these offerings. I don't want, you know, if if they if they're heartless, I don't want it. So he's, all, I think there's a stu- there's a sense in which God is in the Old Testament. Um, you do see him more angry, and we do see him acting in judgment and demanding obedience and things like that. But is always as a good parent is looking for heart response that we only I think we only really get to and this is the plan as I see it we only get to fully see that when when Jesus comes I think um yeah I think grace works on the simple or our, our extension of grace works on the simple idea that when we truly understand what we have been given and what we have been forgiven then we have that uh, that response, which is to be gracious to those around. My my re- response to people who might struggle with with achieving that and being that is, um, yeah, that that's us as human beings. We're in that dilemma. Um, we can't achieve that grace, perhaps. But it's a good thing to be struggling and wanting to be that. You, you know, in the struggle, you're wanting to be something that you're not because you're reflecting that that is a good thing to be. It's more concerning when we're not struggling to be that. Actually, when we are struggling to be that grace-shaped person, and yet whatever it is in our life that has caused us to find this stumbling block, we're confronted with our own brokenness again in that. But we're we're still striving for something that we're not, and that's a good thing. Okay. 
So keep striving. Keep but striving. Look to Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And then you, you lean into the idea that Jesus says, whoever asks of his father something good, would he give him a stone? And, and actually, when we ask for grace, that that's a good thing that we're asking for. And little by little, I think God grants us that grace when we truly seek it. And like you were saying, Ash, God knows our heart, doesn't he? Like, that, do you know, that's something that's, that's so if we're really struggling with a stumbling block um, mm. and God knows our heart and knows actually that we want to get, get past that and, and submit to him in that way, then he, he can see our heart and our motives in that. Mm. Um, time's going on, guys, and uh, I think we'll probably have to draw a line uh, there for today. It's a shame. I have more questions that I want to ask you. <laughs> um, but we'll need to do that again another week uh, and uh, pick your brains a little bit more. So much more to find out about the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, um, what it means to be under his authority and reign. But uh, lots more to come as we look at these parables over the next few weeks. Brilliant. As I said before, get in touch with us if there's anything that we can help you with or you want to discuss. Um, I hope that's been helpful for you. Um, Paul, maybe you just pray for us as we, yeah. as we finish up today. Thanks. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Father, we are so conscious that the grace that you poured out in Jesus is beyond what any of us deserve if we are peering into the potential of that grace for the first time move our hearts so that we might learn to love it if we've grown cold and we've forgotten the grace that we have been shown warm our hearts so that we might embrace it again and if we are living in the hope of that grace walk alongside us we pray so that we hold on to it even more we thank you for today and we pray your blessing on the words that we have heard so that through the coming days they will go off in our minds again and cause us to look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great to be with you all. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.